Hi everyone, it's wonderful to have you join us. Uh, thanks for accompanying me and welcome to Archippus Awakening and this night's session of Kingdom 101. And in case you're wondering what Archippus Awakening is all about, let me give you a very, very short introduction. You see the three words behind us. It's called Awaken, Aligned, Assigned. And we are a ministry that's dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. But then, what is uh, Kingdom 101, you might be wondering? Well, if we are wanting to know about Kingdom Assignments, then we must know our King first and be able to embrace His Kingdom perspective, and then we'll be able to receive and move on our Kingdom Assignments. So that's what Kingdom 101 is. It's an expository journey uh, that goes through the book of Matthew. And Matthew, it's really, to me, like a kingdom manual that takes us through what the kingdom is and introduces to us Jesus all over again. Now, this session is really, really very, very special for me because it's been five years since we launched Kingdom 101 back in 2015 on the 18th of March. Uh, that was our very, very first session. And as you know, we've been just tracking through verse by verse, passage by passage, chapter by chapter, and we've gone through 101 sessions. That's right, Kingdom 101, 101 sessions. And today, it's about the 102nd session, 102. And guess where we are? We are in Matthew chapter 14. And we're just going to keep going on until we really, really know Jesus and understand His kingdom and receive our kingdom assignments. And so if you'd like to know more about Archippus Awakening, archippusawakening.org, get onto our website, or find out more about Kingdom 101, listen to all the past teachings, just slash Kingdom 101 on our website, you'll be able to find it. You can also follow along with us on SoundCloud. And so that's really what the introduction is. I'm just so thankful you're here listening in or watching this video with me. And we're going to get into this evening's session right now, okay? So if you join me and if you have a Bibles there with you, we're going to get on to Matthew chapter 14. As you know, we are still there. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. And this evening, I want to do it a little bit differently. In expository teaching, we want to get deep into the Word. But this season, because of COVID-19, I just feel that we want to make it a little bit more devotional instead of heavy didactical. And what it really means is that we're not going to like word studies. Well, we'll mention it. We'll study the Bible. But really, my prayer is that through this passage, you can be encouraged. The whole world is topsy-turvy at this point in time. And it's interesting how God has lined up different sessions for us, even at Kingdom 101. And each time, the passage is just so relevant to the situation at hand. Um, so let me get into it quickly. And let's pray together. And let's get into Kingdom teaching together also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, will you lead us? We thank you for Scripture because we want to hear Jesus talking to us and teaching us by His Holy Spirit. And so I pray for every heart, Lord, that you will prepare. I pray for myself also as I deliver this, Lord, in a very different way um, over a video. Uh, will you help me and help everyone tune in also that we will not miss what you have for us? And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title is The Other Side. And in a while, you will understand why it's called The Other Side. 
this passage in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36, is not unfamiliar. It's about Jesus, it's about his disciples, and they are crossing over to the other side. Now, you know this story really well. They meet a storm, and then Jesus walks by them, and they see Jesus, and they freak out. And, and Jesus gives them a word. And guess what? Peter himself asks Jesus, can I walk on water to you? And so he walks on water, he sinks, and then Jesus catches him, and they get on to the other side. Well, you know this well, so we will read the passage in a very different way. We will touch on scripture, but I won't read the entire passage for you. As we have always understood this, we have established this, let's get into what Matthew's intent is first, and let's get into the devotional points after that. You see, Matthew's intent is always Christological. Matthew is always wanting to reveal the Christ. He wants to show up the King who is God himself come in the form of man, in the person of Jesus. And so his intent is always very, very clear. The way he positions his stories, the miracles, the way he records it, he has one clear intent. Jesus is the King and Jesus is God himself. And so here is a record of Jesus himself walking on water. Now, don't just look at it figuratively or symbolically. Why is Matthew singling this out? You see, to the Jews, when they read this, it would almost immediately trigger for them something that is familiar, where they read in their own Hebrew scriptures before. It will remind them, perhaps, of a scripture that's recorded in Job chapter 9, verse 8 where it says he, now who is he? God, God himself alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Now who is the one who treads on the waves? Who walks on the waves of the sea? It's God himself. This is reserved for God and God only. Only God can do this. And so when they read this passage and they understand this account, the first trigger is, man, this is about God. It's not just a person, it's God himself. There's another scripture and we find it in Psalm 77 verse 19. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. Now, can you see this again? God himself, this is descriptive of God his way and his paths in the sea. And when you walk on the water, there are no footsteps, right? You can't see it. It's not known. And this is Matthew's objective, you see. Every time he writes and he records in his gospel, it's about Jesus. He's revealing the king to the people of the kingdom. And it's the same for us today. You know, we as Christians, believers of Jesus Christ, we are people of the kingdom, but there are many of us who might still miss Jesus as the king. That's Matthew's intent. Jesus is the king who is to come. He is the Messiah. He is Christos, and that's why it's Christological. And at the end of this whole episode, he records one line. After everything, after all is said and done, don't miss this. The disciples looked at him, worshipped him in the boat itself. They declared this, Truly, you are the Son of God. You are the one who is to come. You are the Messiah. God has sent his Son to run the Father's business, to run the kingdom, and you are the King. So that's what this whole passage is about. You know, we're done in this few minutes. Don't miss Jesus as 
the king. But let's get into what it might mean for us in this time and in this season. Now you look at this entire passage and I say to you, I'm not going to read this. I pray that you will spend time to read it for yourself. It's an amazing, amazing passage. I want to appeal to you devotionally this time, not just didactically. Sure, there are some teaching points, but I'm praying that this will encourage you Especially in this time, we're going through a crisis, a pandemic. The whole world is reeling and not even understanding what this is. But when you look at this, do you know that all of us have an other side to get to, right? Jesus told the disciples, I want you to get to the other side. All of us have another side to get to. And on the other side, someone is waiting for us. Something is waiting for us on the other side. And we call this in Archippus Awakening, you know, getting to your area of operation where you can carry out your assignment. Now, it's well and good to get out onto the other side, but you realize that somewhere in the middle, there's this storm that might, might just turn up and wait for us there. What do we do? Do we turn back? Do we stop? Do we give up? Let's look at this devotion and let's see what the Word of God says to encourage us. As I read this passage, there are so many ways we can approach it. But three sections sort of jump out at me. It's one word, immediately. We'll see this mentioned three times in this passage. Immediately, Jesus did something. Immediately, Jesus does something else. And immediately, Jesus again does the third thing. And so let's use this one word to section for us what might be important for us to take out of this teaching this time. Let's look at the first, immediately. And it says that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. I want you to notice a few things down here. The first thing Jesus did was that he made his disciples get into the boat to get to the other side. And here's the first point I want to challenge you with. You know, the disciples had just ministered to the people. They have seen a miracle. In fact, they were part of that great miracle of feeding the 5,000. I mean, can you imagine how they were feeling? It was just so wonderful. They would have talked about it. And they would have just wanted that moment to stay for a while. Now, Jesus understood this, and immediately he said to them, now I want you to move. And the first point for us to remember is this also. Don't camp. Don't camp at your experiences. However exciting these may be, or whatever they might be, and praise God for all that. Praise God for all that. Write it down. Get back to it. Review it often. But don't camp there. Because there's something else ahead of us. There's something else that needs to be done. Don't camp move on, move on to the other side. And Jesus understands this so well. He tells them, great guys, thanks for helping me, you know. But immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and get to the other side. The word made is an interesting one. He made them, he forced them, he compelled them. And think about this. I think some of us need to be compelled a little bit harder, forced a little bit harder, so that we can get out immediately. There's something else that needs to be done. There's someone else over on the other side that's waiting for us to respond. So the first point, don't camp. 
keep moving. The kingdom is advancing and God is saying, come on, let's go. The second, I love what Jesus did with the multitudes. And I've summarized it to to read as, don't retain the crowds, release them. (laughs) I think this is a message for us these days. I think we need to release a lot more people rather than just to hold them or to retain them. It was wonderful. Jesus ministered to 5,000 or even more. But you see, it was not just about the numbers. He knew that he had to meet their needs somewhere. But as soon as he did that, he released them. He sent them away. He says, okay, fine. Thank you, guys. You know, thanks for assembling. It's time to release. It's get out there. Maybe you have learned something here. Go tell someone. Maybe you have collected a certain point there. Maybe you received your assignment. Release, release. I release you. Get out there. Do something with it. All right? So, guys, don't retain people. Don't hold people. Release them. And I can't help but wonder, maybe that's what COVID-19 is all about. Man, it's difficult to huddle now. It's difficult to get the people together. In fact, we need to release them. We've got to stop all services. We've got to suspend all these things. And God might just be saying this to us. Stop holding the people. Let them go. Stop pulling them in. Now, it's great to assemble. Don't give up assembling. But there comes a time we need to release the people also. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And the third thing, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well, have your mountaintops, do your assignments, do your great things. And sometimes we find a lot of significance in what we do. And we just run on ahead and just do whatever we want to do after that, thinking that we know how to do already. Well, let's learn from Jesus. Immediately after that wonderful miracle, this is what he did. He gets back and he checks in with Abba Father. He checks his alignment once more. Not that Jesus was ever out of alignment at any moment. But for us, I think we need to remember this. Whenever you get onto an assignment, when you finish that, check alignment immediately. And then after that, get back onto assignment also. But I love this picture. He gets up there and as he prays and as he seeks Abba Father, I want to believe that he was also praying for those that he sent out on assignment, right? He made the disciples get out there. He released the multitudes. Man, Jesus was interceding for each and every one of them. And this is a beautiful prophetic picture. And do you know now that Jesus is seated up there at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for each and every one of us. How beautiful is that. And so friend, I want you to be encouraged that wherever you are right now, whatever the challenge might be, however difficult this crisis of COVID-19 might be anywhere in the world, I want you to know that Jesus is aware. He might have sent us out into some of these difficult places. He might have released us to do what we need to do, but he has not left us alone. He is interceding for us as we are moving on our kingdom assignments and getting onto wherever we should be that we may carry our missions out. And so this is the first immediately, and already there are just so many things here that we can draw from and be encouraged by. And I pray that this has helped you at least for this first part. Now, let's do a cutaway scene um, to the disciples. So Jesus is up on the mountain, but now the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I'm thinking about this from a cinematic point of view. We have Jesus praying, and it's a wonderful, peaceful picture out there. But meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, the boat was being tossed all over the place. And you just imagine that the disciples were really having, well, I won't say a time of their lives, but quite an experience out there. Now let's cut away and let's have a look at this slide and see. The boat was in the middle of the sea and the wind was coming against them. Now it would be good for us to look at the map a little bit to give us a bit of a context physically where they were and how come they were there. If you study different commentaries, they will give you different interpretations and different scenarios. Now, it's a little bit difficult to ascertain exactly which one is the main thing as we consult all the Gospels. As I studied this, I realized that I've come to one position here or one interpretation that would be helpful even for us to better understand where the disciples were and why they were there. And so they were on the northeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee feeding the 5,000. And we presume they were somewhere over there and they were supposed to get to the other side. Now, where is the other side? If you read Matthew, they ended up in this place called Gennesaret. But if you look at Mark, Jesus actually told them and mentioned this place called Bethsaida. But if you look at John, another place was mentioned called Capernaum. Now, which one was it? Which other site did they get to or were they supposed to go to? Studying the Greek a little bit and not to get too technical, Jesus told them to get to the other side. And then it says to Bethsaida. But actually it means towards Bethsaida. And that's one way to interpret that. So if you look at the arrow, they were told to go to Capernaum towards Bethsaida. And so this would have been the route that Jesus told them to take. I want you to go to Capernaum, but along the way, go by, go via Bethsaida. Maybe Jesus knew the weather report that there would be a storm coming and it would be safer to stick closer to the shoreline. That would have been the instruction by Jesus or the disciples. But you see the disciples being very experienced fishermen and they've crossed to the other side quite a few times. So perhaps they were thinking, hey, Jesus, I, I understand. But if you want me to go to the other side, perhaps this would be a better way to go. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut right across. It will take us a shorter time and we will get there more directly. Hey, we'll save a few more minutes or maybe one hour and we can do something a little bit more there or we can rest a little bit. So I presume that's what they did. But along the way, as they got further and further out from the shore, the winds came and they start to get out further and further away into the middle of the sea. And that's where we find them in this verse. But how about Gennesaret? Perhaps they were already out in the middle of the sea. And by the time Jesus came to them and took them over to the other side, they were already closer to Gennesaret. And so they landed somewhere there. And Jesus began to minister even from that point onwards. And so this is just one scenario. I know there are other views. But looking at this, I learned so many things out there. Let's get into a few points here where I hope it will also bless you and encourage you. Point number one here. Follow Jesus' instruction. Now, he knows best, right? He told them, get towards Bethsaida, stick a little bit closer to the shore. Winds might come, but you'll still be safer over there. And you won't panic as much because, you know, you're closer there and you still just skirt around and get to where you're supposed to be going. 
But to us, many times, we would base on our own experience and expertise, and we would like to get a shortcut. Follow Jesus' instruction. No shortcuts. Isn't it true? Sometimes we think about how to get the things done in the shortest possible time. We think also when we are with Jesus and whenever he tells us, it's going to be the easiest, it's going to be the most smooth sailing. Not exactly, right? Okay, he tells us the instructions he knows best. Listen to Jesus. Don't don't be too wise in your own eyes, in your own mind, and start to get ahead of him again. And you find yourself in the middle of the sea when the storms come and you don't even know which way to turn and you lose all your bearings. The other thing I notice about this, and we can apply this a little bit symbolically, is that when you're making your way across to the other side, you realize starting out is quite exciting sometimes. It may be a little bit scary, but you say, okay, come, let's go. You know, you, you've got that adrenaline pumping. Um, you've got the excitement of getting over there and fulfilling the assignment of God. And you're feeling really, really good about that. And you just move on. You don't really know what to expect. But suddenly you're right in the middle and opposition comes. I don't know whether the storm was demonic. I don't know whether the storm was allowed by God, sent by God. Really, at this point in time, let's not debate about that. But I've experienced time and again that when you get to that halfway mark, man, this is where your bearings, it gets a little bit difficult, right? Um, You start to doubt a little bit. The challenges come, the opposition that you're facing there. And it's usually hardest halfway, not when you are just leaving but halfway. You know, our Keeper's Awakening was started back in 2014, and those who have followed me have realized this. Starting out, well, it's scary. We don't really know what to do. We don't even know what to expect. But we just plot on. And sometimes when you don't know, it, actually, it's not that bad. But as we move on, we realize now this this 10-year season that God has given to me, I've passed that five-year, we're in that six years, sixth year right now, it's about that halfway, it gets tiring. It gets a little bit, oh Lord, when is this going to end, you know? Um, we've been trekking now for five years, what, what are we going to be doing? And it's toughest halfway. I don't tell you, don't give up. Be encouraged, you know, just keep going on. I know the storms may come, your bearings may be a little bit off here and there, but just hang in there, just hang in there for a while more. Let me give you another example. Kingdom 101, today we are celebrating five years of this journey. And I tell you, this is interesting how God has given us this one passage, how we've arrived at this one passage in the middle of the sea. We're right smack in the middle of this expository journey in case you don't realize this. Matthew has 28 chapters. Today, we are teaching Matthew chapter 14 and closing off Matthew chapter 14. We've got 14 more chapters. We are right in the middle of it. And guess what is this crazy storm or opposition that has just hit us? Our venue gets closed. Our meeting gets cancelled. We are wondering whether to go on, not to go on. What should we do? Should we just postpone? And I've been struggling even to set up all these technical things, learning how to do this, trying not to trouble anyone else. I'm doing this as best as I can, but I am plodding on. I am trekking on. Because one thing I'm clear, I'm getting over to the other side. I'm going to finish this journey. Matthew chapter 28, I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm getting over. Friends, whatever your assignments are, 
wherever your other side might be. You know, getting to the halfway mark is a milestone. But sometimes you will realize getting to the halfway mark is where the challenge only just begins. But I say hang in there, hang in there. Here comes the most beautiful thing. And we have already said this. Jesus has already been praying for us. He hasn't forgotten us. And it says in the scripture, if you read this passage, Jesus not only prays for us, he goes to his disciples. And I want to believe that Jesus meets us, meets us in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea, in the middle of our way to the other side. And as I'm doing this, as I start out even teaching this and trying to get through this whole video recording of just getting this through for you and for myself and for so many out there, I'm sensing and I'm feeling this also. I'm experiencing this. Jesus doesn't just only pray for me. Jesus has come to me. He's met me in this point of need and he's helping me. But you know what's the problem? The problem is simply this. Not, it's not that we don't know that He prays for us. We can quote this. It's not that we don't know that He comes to us. We can declare this, that He's with us, that He will never forsake us. I tell you what's the craziest thing. The disciples were in the boat. They were like, Ah, oh, Jesus, where are you? I suppose they were, they were panicking to that point. And Jesus comes. And they see this figure of Jesus, but they can't make out that it's Jesus. They think it's a ghost. They think, oh no, things are going to get worse. Isn't it so funny that we are praying for Jesus, we're asking Jesus to come, and we can know all the verses, quote all the verses, and know that Jesus is with us, and yet Jesus can be so close, and we still cannot recognize Him. And we still cannot see Him. This is really the journey that all of us go through. And sometimes it's not what we know, it's what we believe. It's not just what we store up here, it's the experience that shows up how we respond in spite of the storm that is there, regardless of the information that is there. And Jesus could be next to us and we could still miss Him. And that's why they cried out. They cried out like, ah, who is this? What is this? What's all about? And let me say to you, it's okay to cry for help. It's totally okay to cry out for Jesus. Lord, where are you? Help us. You know, is that you or not? Where is the scripture verse? It's not sinking in for me. It's not making any sense for me. I'm praying this through COVID-19. I'm seeing the challenges. I know you will provide, but something is not connecting for me. It's okay to cry out for help. And this is where we come to the second immediately. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. How beautiful, isn't it? You cry out for help. And Jesus immediately, immediately he says to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, friends, I don't know about you, but I've experienced this time and time again. I mean, there are moments where I get so fearful, I get so panicky, my knees go weak. I know all the Bible verses. I know, I know, I know. And yet, I fear. I know, and yet I panic. I know, and yet I don't even know whether, you know, is Jesus there with me or not. I know He's there, but and yet I don't know. I share this often that we know that God provides for us. And you know, I've got seven children, but each time Serene is pregnant and we realize, oh, Lord, help. You know, we're going to have one more addition to the family. 
We are fearful. Doubt comes in again and we cry out for help. And there was this one moment we found out that number six was coming. And one day I started to think, oh Lord, thank you. I know children are a blessing. But number six, you know, the children are growing up. They're much bigger now. They eat so much more. Help, how am I going to afford it? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? And I cried out for help at that point in time. And God came through so quickly, so immediately. And He just said this one word to me, one phrase to me, one day at a time, one day at a time. And peace just came into my heart and comfort was there and encouragement was there. And I want to believe that this is what happened to the disciples that day and that moment. It is I. Do not be afraid. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. It is I. Jesus was just declaring, I am Yahweh. I am. I am who I am. And again, it is Matthew's way of revealing Jesus is God. I am is with you. I'm here right by you. Do not be afraid. I love the way how Peter responds. And I like to think it was also immediately then Jesus answered him. Jesus looked at Peter. Peter looked at Jesus, I beg your pardon. And he said to Jesus, Lord, it, it is you. Command me to come to you on the water. Oh, how beautiful. Jesus said, I am. Just be cool. Just chill. I'm here. And Peter immediately answers Jesus and says this, Lord, and this Lord again is a Yahweh. Lord, you are king. You are master. If it is you, and the Greek is beautiful. The translation doesn't come through so clearly. It's not if it is you. It's better translated, Lord, king, master, since it is you. Lord, you say it is you, but since this is, this is you, will you command me? Command me to come to you on the water. Don't miss this, friends. You see, it's not who Jesus is to us. It's how we respond to who Jesus is to us. And Peter responded in two ways. As, as master, and we are disciple, and as king, and we are his subject. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, Master, if it is you, then... I want to do what you do. That's how he responded because every disciple wants to be like the master. And that's why Peter said, Jesus, master, you're walking on water. How cool is that? If that is you, then say the word and I will be able to also walk on water together with you. The second way he responded was Jesus is king. Lord, if you are king and since you are king and you are king, command me. That word command is Bid me, command me as a king. Just give that word. Just give me an instruction. And once the king says it, whatever the king says goes. There's a decree that is there and I will come to you. And that's why Jesus looked at Peter and then he says, Come, come. This is who I am and you're responding to who I am to you. Now with that faith, come. And this is where it gets beautiful and it gets interesting. You know, many times we look at this passage and people have said, you know, if you want to do your assignment, if you want to get to the other side, you've got to step out of the boat and you've got to walk on water. Well, it sounds really good. And I suppose there's a principle there that we can learn and be encouraged by and be challenged by. But look at what this passage is saying. It doesn't say, 
Jesus didn't say, go. He said, come. Now come to who? Come to me. He didn't say, go to the other side by walking on water. He didn't say, Peter, now this is what you're going to do, okay? Now, if you want to get to the other side, come out of the boat and step on water and start to walk all the way to the other side. No. He said, this is what you do. I want you to come and walk to me. Walk to me. Friends, do you know something? That the, the walk of faith is one that is made towards Jesus. I find this amazing. I find this mind-blowing. I find this so encouraging for me. You see, many times we think that we need to do something, get somewhere. Oh, it's about faith. Yes, it is about faith. Oh, I need to do. Yes, it's about faith. But Jesus doesn't ask us to go somewhere without first asking us to know who He is, to get to who He is, to have a revelation of who He is. He's saying, Peter, if you really, really believe that I'm your master and I'm your king, then this is what I want you to do. Come, walk to me, get to me. This is the key. Get to Jesus. Because this is an understanding that by faith, we are in Christ. We know Him. We receive Him. We become like Him. It's all by faith. By faith. Just get to Jesus. You want to get through this? Get to Jesus. He's there with you. He's there by you. Not only that, He's in you. He's around you. And He's just saying, will you understand what this is all about? I am Jesus. You are in Christ. Get in here. Get into this revelation. Get into the wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of who I am. And once you know who you are in Christ, you can do so many things and you can go to so many places. And you see, that was the mindset that was in Peter. He says, Lord, if that's who you are, then I know who I am because I know who I am only in alignment and relation to who you are. Ah, and with his eyes fixed on Jesus, he begins to walk towards Jesus and he walks on water. But when he starts to see the situation around him, he begins to sink. This is another parallel down here, okay? You see, when we walk on water, when we walk by faith, This is another way of saying being in the Spirit. How are we in Christ? He has given us the Holy Spirit. We move in the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit and we move in the Spirit. Friends, stay in the Spirit zone. Whatever is happening around us is in the physical. What we can see will shake us. When we walk by faith, we walk with eyes of faith to see the things that are happening around us. We walk by a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The whole world is shaking because of the situation that we're going through right now. But if we stay in the spirit zone, when we walk by faith, we will continue to keep with Jesus, in Jesus, and do the things of Jesus to be where He wants us to be and to do what He wants us to do. But you see, when we get out of that spirit zone, then we begin to respond in the flesh. Now, when we begin to respond in the flesh, that's where we begin to sink. And that's where we get fearful again. And that's where we cry out once more. We say, Lord, save me. Save me. And Peter screamed, saved me. And that's where we get to the third immediately. Immediately. Listen to this. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Immediately. Friends, can I say, it's okay to cry out for help. But as you do that, no. How quickly Jesus comes for us. 
how quickly Jesus comes for us. I don't know how far Jesus was from Peter, how far Peter was from Jesus. But all I know is this verse says, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. You know, I'm a father and I've seen so many of my children learn to take their first or second steps. And as they do that, you know, you as a parent, a father or mother will always be watchful. And we'll say, come, come, walk to me. Come on, walk to me. And you are not like 10,000 steps away. You are one or two steps away and that's all it is. And when your son or your daughter walks towards you and he, he trips or she trips, the first thing you do instinctively is to stretch out your hand and catch him. What a beautiful picture, is it not? You see, God wants us to exercise our steps of faith. And Jesus says, come on, you know who I am. You're responding to me. Just take that step, take that step. And the moment we fall and we get into flesh once more, we say, oh Lord, help me, I can't do this. He stretches out his hand and he catches us and he pulls us up. I love this picture. And he says to Peter, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If you really know who Jesus is, and you know who God is, this one statement, I know I've heard it taught in different ways, but in most cases, this line is read as if it's like a rebuke. It's like, Peter, you silly thing, you terrible guy, you know, you of little faith, you, uh, why do you doubt? Fail. This is not a rebuke. It didn't say Jesus rebuked him. Even in another chapter, in chapter 8, when Jesus calmed the storm, when he stilled the storm, it was recorded. Jesus rebuked the winds and he said to the disciples. Jesus did not rebuke Peter. Jesus said to Peter. This was not a rebuke. This was a word of encouragement. And I can imagine and picture Jesus just pulling Peter out and just looking at Peter and say, Oh, you of little faith. But can you see what this little faith did for you? You know, this little faith, small as a mustard seed, I've told you before, this can move mountains. And your little faith caused you and enabled you to walk on water. How cool. Yo, man, come on, give me a high five. But why do you doubt? You could have gone the second step. Why did you veer? Why do you fail there? You know, why do you even are concerned? Why do you get out that, of that spirit zone and into a flesh zone? I mean, you could have done so much more. But well done. I hope you guys took this on video. I hope they shot this. This could have been an Insta story. You could have got a lot of likes down there. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Just don't doubt next time, okay? You can do two steps, three steps, even four steps. And Jesus pulls Peter there and holds him, carries him back into the boat. And then the storm was stilled and everyone's storm in their hearts was also calm and there was peace again. Just imagine that scene down there. On both counts, the disciples had faith to believe and they might have been comforted because I am was there and God is there. But they were comforted and they were encouraged with Jesus being there with them and for them. 
But compare that faith with the faith of Peter. One that was a little bit more passive just to receive, but the other would have been a lot more active to respond. Who do you think would have learned a lot more that day? Peter walking on water with that little faith. I mean, the guys were like, oh, thank God that the, the storm has come down. Around. Thank God, Jesus, you're on the boat, you know. Thank you, you know, with Christ in the vessel, you know. <laughs> I've got peace in my heart now. Thank you, Jesus. Imagine Peter's response. I think he would have just sat down there and still reeling and still replaying in his mind. I just walked on water. I just walked on water. I just walked on water. Can you imagine? I just walked on water. You see, passive faith is good and is needful. And I praise God for the comfort He brings to us and the encouragement that He gives to us. But active faith, when you respond, will change you in a dimension that you can never imagine. Jesus, in asking Peter to come, and Peter in responding, Peter would have experienced faith at a different, different level. Jesus commanded Peter. Jesus caught Peter. Jesus carried him into the boat and put him back on track to the other side. Imagine the faith of Peter through that experience. So friends, I want to encourage you. It's one thing to hear Jesus speaking to us and calming those nerves. But it's totally another when we hear Jesus say, come and we respond and we step out to get to Him. Because when we get in Christ, after that He does everything. He helps us, He carries us, He takes us onto the boat and He then brings us over to the other side. And Matthew then records, when they finally got to the other side, they came to the land of Gennesaret. The people there recognized him. They saw Jesus. Jesus starts to minister and the disciples begin to partner him in assignment and on assignment once more. And at the end of the day, you look at the whole thing. Jesus is the one that does all the work. Jesus is the one that brings them onto assignment, sends them across. But when they get there, Jesus does the healing. He does the ministering and they just follow him in Christ to do what they can do only enabled by the power and the strength that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, friends, as we bring this to a close, what's your other side? What's your other side? You know, in this time of crisis and COVID-19, where everything seems to be coming to a standstill, perhaps your part is to pause and to pray for a moment. But as you do that, God's going to show you again another side, somewhere that you need to go, something that you need to do, and someone that you may need to reach out to and minister for Jesus. Or maybe right now, you still need to get onto the other side. Can I encourage you? Will you keep keeping on? Keep keeping on. Just don't camp on an experience. Just immediately just get on. Just go on to doing that. Don't allow procrastination to hold you back. Don't allow fear or anxiety to hold you back from what God has already given and prepared for you. Secondly, understand and remember that the halfway mark is often the most challenging. 
and maybe you have reached the halfway mark. I don't know, in life, in ministry, on an assignment, a certain milestone. Well, praise God that we have crossed the halfway mark. But you and I know that if you are a marathoner, you run a race in any way. And I did that for a very short one. I was just running a simple, simple uh, five-click thing. And I'm not really a runner. When I crossed the two-and-a-half-kilometer mark, three kilometers, I was very excited that, oh, halfway. But after that, it was tough. It was tough. I had to press on psychologically. Everything came against me. I wanted to give up, and I wanted to stop. And so I want to encourage you. Halfway mark, if you're there, storms are coming over you. Well, don't worry. Jesus is there with you. He will come to you. He'll meet you at the point that you are. And you just do your part. Respond to Jesus. He speaks that word. Respond in faith. And for some, you may just want a comfort. For one, you just want something to still that storm and to calm the boat. For another, there might be a command. There might be a word that Jesus might be saying, now get to me. Come on, get to me. Because you are not going to be able to do anything if you don't understand what it means to be clothed in my righteousness and to be suited up in the armor of God that you can then be prepared to do all I've tasked you to do. And finally, as you get on to the other side, just just do your part because Jesus will more than do His part and you will realize over and over again as I have and I'm still doing that. It's all about Jesus. He has given me things to do. I will do it, but it's still Jesus who does everything. You know, He has sent me somewhere and it's Him taking me there. He has asked me to say certain things, but even as I say those things and be faithful to declare those words, it is really the word of the King. And the King promises that when I declare His word, it will not return to Him void. He will bring it to pass. You see, I'm saying, I think I'm doing, but in the end, Jesus gets all the glory. God gets all the glory. I'm just a vessel, a jar of clay, earthen vessel, just being faithful and by His grace, so thankful that I'm able to participate in the advancement of the kingdom. And so, my dear friends, I want to encourage you, and this is what this whole teaching, this whole session is about. I know as a teacher, I've thrown certain instructions over. I've gone through a little bit of technicalities every now and then. But I started out by saying to you, I pray that this would have been a little bit more devotional, a little bit more uh, motivational for you to know that Jesus is still with us through this crisis. Jesus is still interceding. He's still praying. He's still enabling us. But at some point, if He calls you and He commands you and He says, come, will you get to Jesus? Because at the end again, and I don't tire of saying this, it really is all about Him. He's going to carry you. He's going to enable you. He's going to bring you to the other side. And you are going to work with Him. And He will be with you to do all that He has tasked you for. And so, dear friends, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for being with me in this. Will you pray with me and allow me to pray with you as we close? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you that time and again, We just know that your scripture is not words printed on a page only, but it is spirit, it is truth, and it is life. So I pray for those who need encouragement right now. May this word bring them hope. May it bring them courage. May it cancel out fear in the name of Jesus. 
And for those who have heard you say, come, um, get out there and walk to Him. Walk to Jesus. Get to Him so that you will be clothed by Him once more all over again. Get into the spirit zone. I pray you will step off where you are. Get out of that flesh zone into that spirit zone so you'll be with Jesus and He will take you to all and to where He wants you to be. I know your faith will grow and I pray that you will mature in ways that will be so different and will be so exciting for you and for those that you will be impacting and influencing. So we thank you. Thank you for five years of Kingdom 101. We're at our halfway mark, Lord, but you've met us and you're going to take us through and take us on even all the way through, Lord, that all this will be done and declared for Jesus and the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name and His mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again for joining me in this session of Kingdom 101. I pray that you will keep in touch with us. Uh, subscribe to our page, our YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Follow us. Um, do anything and if you can with technology right now. And we hope that uh, we will be able to serve you and bless you. That you will know the King, embrace His kingdom, receive your assignment and fulfill all that He has prepared for you. God bless you, and have a great time, and a great day, and a great night. Bless you.